everyone, welcome to week five of the Franchise Legends podcast. I am your host, Dave White Sox, your fearless commish. No longer undefeated, though. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Dan Yankees and Crab Mariners. Say hi, fellas. Yo, what's up? Nice. All right, we're going to look at some uh, some moves, and then we'll jump right into a uh, kind of an NL wild card analysis. Uh, we saw a bunch of moves, specifically from the Cleveland Guardians this week. Uh, it looks like the writing was maybe a little on the wall uh, for our friends in Ohio, and they have seemingly thrown in the towel, uh, maybe not so much seemingly, because they have moved some uh, pretty strong players for returns that are not going to be good necessarily this year. Uh, so let's jump right into it, guys. Do you have any thoughts? Um, right now we're seeing... Three moves from the Cleveland Guardians last week. That includes uh, moving Christopher Morrell. Uh, this was before he just got promoted for Casey Schmidt and Sam Henches. Uh, moving Glaber Torres for Michael Massey and Gabriel Martinez. And then moving Adam Adovino for Axel Sanchez and Alex Young. What do you guys think about these moves? Kind of just looks like selling on the edges of their roster, which I mean, if if you're not competing, that's kind of where you got to start to figure out if you're a little indecisive on what you want to move. I mean, like if you look at an Ottavino trade, he trades Ottavino for a minor leaguer and another reliever. So I mean, just he's essentially swapping relievers and getting a minor leaguer in return. And the other moves, it's just it's uh, I mean, Glaber Torres is a big move. But it's, what did he get back? I don't know a whole bunch about uh, Massey or Martinez. But those are obviously the big ones. And Christopher Morrell at the time wasn't as big of a move because he wasn't even up, but he just got promoted, was it today or yesterday? Yeah, he got yeah, promoted. Just a couple days. Yeah, he was just promoted. So Massey's kind of an interesting guy. Um, he had a really strong barrel rate last year. Uh, especially for a 24-year-old second baseman. Um, he didn't walk a lot, but he also didn't strike out a lot. Uh, and he had um, pretty good numbers in the average exit velo, too, with an 89.3. Uh, this year, everything's kind of worse across the board. Um, maybe a sophomore slump. I still kind of like Massey, just long-term. Um Certainly, uh, Glaber Torres. What's Glaber Torres' contract right now? Both, both Torres and Adovino are both one of one, so they're going to be done after this year. Um, yeah. Adovino, I don't know if you want to keep anyways because you're going to have Diaz coming back, I would assume, um, next year. So, yeah, but both of those are just selling off the the yeah. one of one contracts. Massey, you have this year, and he's only on a one of two, so you only get him for next year. So really. If, unless you're competing next year, Gabriel Martinez is a nice prospect. Maybe not um, a consensus top 100 guy, but he does uh, have a little bit of hype around him. Yeah, I I maybe would have liked to see some more long-term benefit because you can only have Massey for next year, but... You know, if, if Glaber Torres is on a one-of-one... 
uh, and you're not going to compete this year, you're, you should move him. Um, and who knows what the market was like for Torres. Although I will say the Guardians did uh, execute these trades same day as pretty much everyone became available with the trade block update. Yeah, the uh, so uh, is it Martinez? Isn't that it? Gabriel Martinez. They're the number twelve prospect according to like MLB.com for the Blue Jays, um, and was mashing the ball at high A. Apparently, just reading off the the latest news. So it seems like a decent pickup. Um, and of course, like you're not going to be able to keep these players after this year, anyways. So um, yeah, I don't know what the market value is. Uh, Otto Vino for sure is like probably worth almost nothing. Um, Torres is worth a, a fair bit, I would think, um, just based on how the season's going so far. Um, I think it's, I think this seems like an okay trade, especially if you're like high on Massey. I will say the Morel trade, uh, at the time, uh, I definitely liked the trade for the Guardians. Uh, Casey Schmidt is, um, a really hyped prospect right now for San Francisco. Maybe not so much from a fantasy perspective, though. It's just he had he's being given 70-grade defense at the hot corner, uh, which in San Francisco is definitely going to play. Um, but with Morel back up and the way Morel was kind of torching AAA, uh, I think it's a little. I think it's pretty even now. Um, what is what is Morell's contract? R two. R two. Ooh, that's a tough one. I might have I might have wanted to keep Morell, um, but I do like Casey Schmidt, and Casey Schmidt is getting a lot of talk right now. So if you think that Casey Schmidt's a better long term third baseman, because it, it it does seem like Morell's going to be used in more of a, like a super utility kind of thing for Chicago. If you think Casey Schmidt is more of like a lockdown auto start third baseman and morell is more of like a utility piece i i understand that trade yeah the thing, i think the only question with morell is his strikeout rate it's just it's so high it's hard to see him ever like locking down a starter's role for the whole season because there's going to be stretches where he's striking out like 40 50 percent of the time yeah, I think that getting the flexibility of the like multi position for Morel is nice though. Um right now we can start base in the entire infield and outfield as well, um, which is nice. I don't know I don't I don't know where he's gonna play this year now that they brought him up. If he's gonna maintain um that eligibility going into next year. Um if he does though, that is a really nice thing to have. It's just the ultimate flexibility that you have with somebody like him. For sure. How about we move on to the Colorado Rocky trades? The Colorado Rockies um, currently actually have the NL West lead. They are, and if I pull up the power rankings uh, for you guys to look at, San Francisco Giants are number three. Um, they've been in the red on scoring every single week except one where they still scored uh, 220 points in week three. Um, average at the time, but that's still a pretty strong score. Uh, and the Colorado Rockies, they are pretty high up on the power rankings as well. They're at number seven. Um, they have a little more questions with their roster, um, and obviously the power rankings 
view view that the same way. Uh, so they made a couple of acquisitions that aren't really game changers, especially one like right after it developed, but they are um, something that uh, can kind of build up some depth. The first one, uh, they traded away Ben Kaderna from the Royal System for the relief pitcher Will Smith. Um, and then the second one, they traded away Jorbit Vivas from the Dodger System for Vince Velasquez. Uh, two kind of moderately interesting prospects um, for a couple uh, pitchers that I think in a 30-team you feel comfortable slotting them in into your starting rotation. Uh, what do you guys think about these deals? Well, I say Velasquez has been really good this year. I mean, I would say like I'd be more than comfortable having him if he continues the year that he's having right now. Obviously, literally the day that this trade happened was the day that he was starting and got hurt, so that's unlucky. It looks like he's supposed to be back in like about two weeks, though. Yeah. Um, it's two weeks from from injury, so it, it, a little under two weeks now. The news says it's he he says that's nothing too severe. Um, the update says he's going to be out for at least two weeks. Um, worse than initially expected, but it is still just the 15 day DL. So, uh, you know, hopefully Velasquez only misses. Um, three maybe four starts and then he's back in that pirates rotation because he has had a really strong year um and it is unfortunate that happened uh only a few hours after this trade is executed but uh, them's the breaks um jorbit vivas is a nice prospect uh he's i think he's one of the best hitters in the minor leagues right now but he's a short guy he's like a 510 um kind of second base, uh, maybe he plays all around the diamond type of guy. Um, he's not even in their top ten specs, but it's the Dodgers, but he's, he's been crushing the ball. So Ben Kaderna, uh, way down in the Royal system just from a level standpoint, but he's maybe interesting in long term. I don't think either of the pieces, though, are like too crazy to give up if you're bolstering the your uh, your pitching situation, which if we take a look at the Rockies pitching situation before, this moved, I guess it moved, uh, I'm not sure who it was before, but it would have moved Jose Suarez and maybe like Tyler Rogers out of your full-time uh, deal, which I think Jose Suarez getting him out of the lineup is is really good, especially he's hurt now. And then Tyler Rogers is interchangeable with any of these other relievers as like a depth piece in case one of them goes down. So uh, I, I like both of those moves from a theory standpoint. Uh, yeah, I mean, Vince Velasquez also looked good. I was trying to see if I could find uh, some stuff plus numbers. It's not working at the moment. He's just kind of like a, it's almost kind of Chris Bassity, where he throws a whole bunch of different pitches, and that's how he gets by people. And then uh, Smith is, I don't know how he's getting away being a closer slash late-in reliever. He's kind of just throwing meatballs, and people are missing him. Velazquez has a 99 stuff plus right now and a 100 location plus. Uh, so, I mean, that's 
I mean, that's pretty average. Um, yeah, it's just he has a whole bunch of different pitches, I think. Yeah, 110 on the fastball, um, and then a 141 on the slider. So he, he's had a good, strong year. The location is working this year. I think that's kind of always been the problem. He, he kind of loses command between starts. Um, and this year he had a he kind of had a blow up start the very first um, go around, but since then he's been he's been pretty lights out. So hopefully he is back because that would be a great addition to the uh, Colorado Rockies, who are seemingly um, going to put up a fight. They intend to at least with the San Francisco Giants. Um, the Giants have outscored them uh, by looks like about 150 points this year. Um, but the Rockies do have a game lead on the Giants, so this is likely going to continue developing week to week, and that'll be interesting to see. How about we hop into the uh, the NL wildcard review, though? We've kind of already gone over the Rockies a little bit, but let's take a look at their, uh, their lineup as well. So let me pull up the Rockies once more. This week, the Rockies scored 184 points. Um, their worst week to date so far, their only week in the blue, uh, which is maybe helped prompt uh, the series of trades that they made. Uh, looking at the playoff bracket that we have, the Colorado Rockies are division winner number three currently, um, behind the Pirates and the Nationals uh, as heads of the NLC and the NLE. Um the Giants currently hold wildcard number one. That's who they're fighting with. But the Rockies, of course, nothing is guaranteed right now. Taking a look, do we think that this is a team that's going to pretty easily coast into the playoffs? Or uh, is this maybe a little more, let's say, um, unstable? What do you guys think just looking at this lineup? Um... I guess I would say it's a little unstable. I mean, you're looking at it's got overperformers and underperformers. I mean, the fact that, as you all are aware, as Cardinals fan, Arenado only putting up 71 points uh, is pretty uh, unexpected. But then he's got players like Connor Joe at 89.5, and then if you go like to his pitchers, uh, Yusei Kikuchi as 91.5. Not many people. Affected that. I mean, Zach Gallon leading his team in points, uh, being a runner-up in the Cy Young is expected, but it's just, I mean, he he has a couple of injuries and he's already starting Zach Short at shortstop for the week, uh, which I don't I don't know if you can really say that that's a good move, but then it's just like the the depth I don't isn't there, so he only has a couple of injuries at the moment and it's already kind of scraping the barrel, bottom of the barrel. Yeah, I mean, he's got his, his IR is full, so he has like three, um, I would say, pretty big injuries, at least, on the um, like lineup side for his hitters. Um, I think all three, Crawford, Carpenter, and McCormick, would all be starting. Um, so I get why he's really scraping the bottom, because like it's like three guys you expect to have in your starting lineup. Um, you're just not able to start. So when they come back, I think it looks okay. Um, I think all three of them are relatively short. Um, 
looks like McCormick might be back uh, this yeah. week. McCormick was literally back. activated today, um, but I don't know if that was known or not, but Rockies still have him in the IR, uh, which I don't think that will matter too much for just like a week. The opportunity cost is like you're starting Matt Duffy for a week, I guess, over Chaz McCormick. I don't think that unless one of them has a huge week, you're looking at like maybe a, I don't know, five point difference. Hopefully that doesn't matter, but um, I'm sure McCormick's going to be in that lineup next week. Yeah, and the other two guys I think are on the ten, like fifteen, like ten or fifteen days out is what it looks like. Uh, Crawford and Kerry Carpenter. So I, I think if they get healthy, it'll be it'll be, you know, I think they're set up to where they can kind of coast in the playoffs. I think they have a lot of good guys um, right now. Clearly, some guys that are kind of overperforming, or at least you know, kind of performing to their potential. And Connor Joe has been having a pretty good year. Um, Arenado's looked awful um, so far, but his last like five games has been um, really good. And he had just kind of a fluky, like they, they held him out tonight for some kind of like neck stiffness is what they said. So, so it's precautionary. So I don't know what that's about. I'm assuming he's just gonna be back. It's like tomorrow. Um, and it seems like it's starting to hit better. So if, if Arenado picks it up, I think he's pretty good on like the hitter side. On the pitching side, I'd say, especially with adding Velasquez, um, that pitching staff I think is pretty good. Like I said, uh, Gallon and Kikuchi are both um, – I mean, Gallon's having an incredible year. Kikuchi's having a good year as well. Um, and the bullpen's okay. You have Romano and Hayter, who are both like – I don't know, I'd say like, you know, A, a plus, A, A minus, like tier um, – uh, relief pitchers. So, I, I think I think this lineup is pretty well set up for at least a wild card spot, just as is. And they probably have a little bit more room to maybe make some some moves, but um, I think it's decently well set up just at least to make the playoffs. Yeah, I remember when we went over the Rockies last time. We looked at the rotation and said, "Yeah, this is pretty weak. You can't really count on Yusei Kikuchi um, to be good at all." And then what, is Zach Gallen going to win Cy Young or something? Okay, well, Zach Gallen, looking now, a month later, is maybe the front runner, front runner to win Cy Young? Um, I mean, I think he might have the most points of any National League pitcher right now. Uh, it's him or Strider. Yeah, I mean, basically, Gallen is having an insane year, and if this continues, which I guess we're a little more confident in saying it will, uh, then I guess this is a pretty strong pitching staff. I do think the bullpen, I wouldn't say the bullpen is okay. I would say the bullpen is actually quite good. Um, besides Hayter and Romano, I really like Brian Abreu and Jorge Lopez. Uh, I mean, just even looking at their ERAs, both of them are below 1.6, so that's pretty crazy. And you have Tyler Rogers on the bench, uh, which just goes to show there is depth in the bullpen at least. Once they do and get Velasquez back, the staff is going to be pretty good. You'll be able to put Wentz on the bench. I will say, going back to the lineup though, if Arenado has to head back to, or if he has to get on the IL, uh, the depth that they currently have. Uh, I don't think you resolve it without keeping Matt Duffy in the lineup, which is an which is a pretty glaring hole. Um, so if he could find 
a guy that can play third base shortstop. Um, you know, I know he's getting Brandon Crawford back relatively soon, but having a not that short backup um, and then having a guy that can play full-time either third base or second base if you want to slide Brandon Drury over to just cover for Arenado if he is hurt, then I I like this team a lot more. Um, but, you know, it's, it's still May. There's lots of moves to be made, and uh, I do like some of the prospects that he has in his, uh, in his minor leagues. There's no, um, there's no true studs down there, but um, Kaderna and Vivas weren't studs either, and he got some useful pieces for them. So I like the Rockies' moves so far, and I'm interested to see what they do next. All right, do we want to move on to the next one? How about we uh, check out the St. Louis Cardinals? And looking at the Cardinals... So the Cardinals currently not uh, in a wild card spot. They are in the just missed section. They're the first team from the NL that would not make the playoffs. They're six and four. They're behind, they're two behind the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, and then in the uh, in the playoffs, they are losing a tiebreaker by points to the San Diego Padres, um, which has actually flipped as of today. So. This is obviously a really close matchup. Um, it's you know it's not accounting for scores from week six, but at the end of week five, the Padres were in the lead. Just taking a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, um, they do have a pretty full roster, at least from a lineup side. The pitching is questionable at best, and I think that's really where we're gonna levy our criticism. Um, from a power ranking standpoint, the Cardinals are 20th, um, perhaps the lowest of the teams that we're going to cover from a power ranking standpoint, but they did score their first just slightly red week, um, with 220 points this week, which was slightly above average as there were kind of low scores across the board for week five. And taking a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, let's look at their pitching first. Um, you have a staff that's highlighted by... Mitch Keller, and then followed by Jordan Lyles, Stephen Matz, Adam Wainwright. In the bullpen, you have a stud in Ryan Helsley, uh, surrounded by Yimi Garcia, Jose Leclerc, and then backed up by Ryan Nelson and Drew Rusinski in the uh, neutral pitcher slots. What do you guys think about this so far? Uh, well, they really bought into St. Louis pitchers which um, hasn't gone well for St. Louis or uh, this Cardinals team. I mean, you got Wainwright and Matts who haven't had the best years. I know Wainwright's been hurt. Wayne, and- yeah, Wainwright just had his first game back. And to be honest, he looked really good in that first start back until the I think it was the fifth inning when he started getting kind of beat around a little bit. And my guess is he just got kind of gassed. Uh, but he was absolutely, he was, I think he was throwing like a one hitter through the first four and then just got beat around the fifth. Um, or it might've been the sixth actually when he got, when he got pulled, but he looks really good at the start. It looks really sharp. Um, the crop keep going with what you're saying. Uh, then you got Helsley who, uh, Marmol for some reason continues to bash in press conferences. Um, and then he's just getting unlucky. I mean, 
the fact that Cookie Carrasco is on his bench and arguably going into the season was probably his best pitcher because I don't think anybody expected Mitch Keller to tap back into his prospect pedigree after the years that he had. And uh, he got Ryan Nelson from me, who I think everybody probably thought was going to be better. I know Eno Saris really bought into him with stuff plus numbers, and he's just been kind of pedestrian. It'll be interesting to see if he can even keep a spot in that rotation with the pitching backup that they have in Arizona there with Fott and uh, Jameson and all of them. So then, I mean, Glenn Otto is supposed to be okay, but now that Texas has bought a whole rotation, I don't know. Andy's on the 60-day. 60-day. I didn't even know that. First few months. He does so, have. I mean, um, he does have a couple of guys. Uh, unfortunately, one of them is down now. Uh, Mason Miller came up and was kind of lighting the world on fire, but now he has. Uh, it's being described as right elbow tightness, um, which could mean anything. It really. He, I mean, he could be out till uh, 2025 um, or later. But he also has uh, Matt Liberatore, who's been crushing at AAA. Um, is likely going to get in this bad St. Louis rotation sooner than later. Um, I know they're really trying to see what they have in Steven Matz, but uh, get this, Steven Matz um, on fan tracks scores less points per appearance than, uh, uh, let's just take a look. Well, for one, Ryan Helsley, uh, who only has four saves this year and three blown saves. So you're scoring less points than a reliever that hasn't really been, you know, his his top-tier stuff. Jordan Lyles is even worse, has seven starts and is scoring 1.93 points per appearance, which is less than, uh, it's just about what Jose LeClerc does per, um, per appearance. So two, uh, two guys that... I'm not sure I'm comfortable with running full-time if I'm trying to get to the playoffs and I'm just on the edge of it. Um, that said, like, you know, we, we have said on this podcast a few times the worst place to be is, is in the middle. Um, who knows if even fixing up this rotation will get them uh, up to the playoffs. Um the lineup, though, I do think is really good. They just traded for Glaber Torres, which uh, moved, looks like it moved Josh Harrison um, to the bench, which is incredible. Uh, so, you know, they're, they are already making moves and maybe just hoping that their lineup carries them. I mean, Brent Rooker uh, has kind of exploded to be, a, to be a fantasy stud. So, I don't know. Just looking at this, do you guys think... The lineup is good enough to justify just get a little bit more pitching that's ready now, and then this is definitely a playoff team, or do you think um, they should maybe write it out, see if they, see, I guess see if the pitching, if it were to be acquired, would actually help them um, get to the playoffs, or if this team is uh, still more than a couple of steps away from really contending for the playoffs. So I think this one's really one you have to kind of wait and see, particularly because of Miller and Libertor um, sitting in your uh, in your minor league slots. Because there's a very good chance. I mean, M- Miller's looked good so far, um, and assuming he's healthy and, and comes back fine, 
I would assume he's going to be starting um, in their lineup soon. And Libertor, I'm. It's it's such a weird situation for St. Louis. I think if St. Louis was like really like competing already and like they were close to the top of the division and it was just like Matt's is getting bullied on his starts. There's a very good chance Libertor is already up. I think, I think they're weighing the possibility of they're so far back now. Um, St. Louis, that is that there's just not like a reason to bring Libertor up. You just sit him in AAA all year and you just save a year of service time, which is really a shame for Libertor. Um, but assuming he comes up and he's going to, you know, compete and play this year, I think, you know, he won like the minor league pitcher of the month this last year. I think he has like a two, three ERA in, in AAA. He's been striking out on a lot of people. Um, so I think you're going to have a couple guys coming up potentially off the minor league slots that's going to show up this rotation. Because if you look at like Miller, Libertor, and Carrasco in the starting rotation, um, then you're looking at like Keller, Wainwright, um, Libertor, Miller, and Carrasco as like your five starters that are in there, which I think is, I would say probably even like pretty far above average, I would say, assuming, you know, Keller continues on his like tear that he's on right now. Um, But I think this is very much kind of a, you have to wait and see, like it's not worth just selling it off now because you very likely in like two weeks could have Libertor up and your rotation looks great. And the lineup is really good. Um, And and considering, you know, they just traded for Glaber Torres, I'm assuming it's, you know, going to be like a try to win this year type of thing. Um, and as it gets really close to the deadline, you know, they've got some good pieces that are on like one of one deals that could certainly be shipped off um, for prospects. Randy Rosarena, like the probably front runner for MVP right now is one of those guys. Um, but I think it is very close to being like a team that'll be really dangerous if they get into the playoffs. And if some of these guys come up early, if there's a good chance that they're, you know, they've got the playoffs locked up. Um, you know, if a guy like Libertor comes up in the next week or two. Yeah, I'm not sure about... I I think Libertor is up sooner than later. I really doubt they're going to um, service time Libertor this year just because he's already spent two full seasons at AAA. And, like, I don't know, you know, do you really want Libertor throwing 100 starts at the AAA level? just to, like, save bullets for when you actually want to start his window. Um, I don't know, that that kind of just spells, like, oh, by the time he's, you know, by the time he is good and you want to use him, he's just going to be hurt because it's a pitching prospect. And I think if he's good now, call him up now. The team theoretically should be good, and the rest of the division is on, like, a horrendous losing streak. So, like, maybe, maybe you can get back in this if you're good immediately, which they won tonight. They won yesterday. Another win, and that's a streak. You know, I think they'll call up Libertor is just what I'm saying there. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. It's interesting they have uh, they have the exact opposite players in Libertor and Mason Miller. I mean, you got Libertor, who spent two seasons at AAA, and Mason Miller, who's thrown like a combined 40 innings in the minors. Yeah, and then you, it, he's only thrown 40 innings in the minors just because his stuff is insane and there's not really much more for him to do. I mean, do you just want him to bully minor league hitters with, you know, his fastball cutter combo for 400 innings? Just yeah, to like my only worry is, 
how many innings is he going to get this season, even if this isn't a big injury, um, to depend on him as one of your starters, especially in Oakland where, what, they got their first pitcher win this week after 20-something games? 30-something uh, games? Yeah, 30-something games. They got their first win. Like a pitcher, their starting pitcher got a win. So you know you're not going to get points there. And he having only 40 innings in the minors, I mean, how many innings can you realistically rely on him for uh, to be a horse in your rotation? Yeah, all good points. So I think we agree that the Cardinals are good enough to ride this lineup and maybe just wait out a couple, maybe two or three more weeks to see what happens with Miller and Libertor before deciding if they want to buy pitching and really go all in this year. That's kind of where we're at. I think you could buy pitching now, honestly, if there's like opportunity to. Um, you don't have many holes in the lineup, I think. I think the lineup is pretty solid. Um, and if you do have opportunities to buy pitching, I, I don't think it'd be a bad situation to buy pitching. And then, you know, you still have spots um, within that lineup to, you know, have Libertor when he comes up or like Miller, at least on like the two start weeks or whatever. Um, I think they're really close. I just don't even know if they need to buy it. I think that's my point. I think they have <clears throat> Carrasco is supposed to be back somewhat soon. And then two guys who are likely going to be, starting that are in their minor league slot right now. I don't know if they necessarily need to buy pitching, but they have the opportunity to. I think that makes their team better. I think they could maybe do what Colorado did, just ship off a couple interesting but not elite prospects to get, like, a couple nice relief pitcher or back-end starter options, which is, you know, happy medium of I'm not going all in, and these guys aren't, like, guaranteed to hit, but I just need some reinforcements. I think I think that might be a good buy. All right, we'll move on to the Miami Marlins. Uh, Taking a look at the power rankings, the Miami Marlins are a top-five team in our power rankings, but they have just run into um, team after team scoring tremendous amounts of points against them um, at the wrong times. So the Miami Marlins have tied up their huge weeks kind of with um, weeks where their opponents aren't even, like, scoring points at all. Uh, they scored 361 in Week 2, despite their opponents averaging a hun- less than 150 that week. And then um, in Week 4, their opponents averaged 270 against them, and they put up 220. So it's like, you know, kind of wrong points at the wrong time, but they are still overall scoring a ton of points. Um in the uh, National League, they are actually below the St. Louis Cardinals um, in the just missed section. Taking a look at the standings, the Miami Marlins are an even 5-5. Five and five, uh, But if you take a look at the, um, the season stats page in the standings and sort it by total points, the Miami Marlins have the sixth most points, even though they are only 5-5. Five and five. So... This is a team that's gotten unlucky so far, and we're going to take a look. Um, they did just make a move. They were one of the teams that traded with the uh, with the Cleveland Guardians. They picked up Christopher Morrell, who was immediately promoted, um, uh, almost right after that trade. And uh, just taking a look at the lineup, this um, this team looks a 
slightly worse without you know Aaron Judge in the lineup. Shocking as it is, it as it is to say, but um, they still have a lot of bullets here, uh, both on the hitting and the pitching side. So let's take a look at this. What are your guys' immediate thoughts um, for this team? This roster should be a lot better than five and five. Uh, I mean, and it's only getting better. I mean, Matt Mervis just got called up. As you said, Christopher Morrell just got called up. Even if you go to, like, the the pitching side, just to talk about call-ups, he's got Luis Ortiz, who just got called up in his his rotation for this week. So, I mean, he's only 5-5, and and you talked about he's top 5 in power rankings, and he just got three uh, possibly very impactful players to come up on his roster. Who's going to, like, Morell's going to go in over Kemp, probably. Matt Mervis is already in uh, and on a one-of-two contract. And then he just has his that starting pitcher that he's believing in for week one, his first week. So, I mean, he may have got a little unlucky with, like, the Vaughn Grissom uh, up and down and struggles that he has, but to get... Uh, get the play that you're getting out of like Sean Murphy and uh, Robbie Grossman, people who you didn't even expect to probably put up massive numbers as Murphy's glove first and Grossman's kind of a bounce around outfielder, I think uh, evens it out. But the offensive roster on its own, I think is can compete with anybody because you have Trey Turner not performing his best and hurt Aaron Judge. So when they come back and get back to their normal a level of play, this is going to be a scary offense to go against. I'm going to say that the offense is scary, but the pitching is just ridiculous. The pitching is really, really good. You've got Strider, Bassett, um, Verlander, and Pablo Lopez is like your four just like locked in starters. And you have Hunter Brown, who's having a great year in Houston. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Luis Ortiz just came up. Um, and then, you know, major bust Patrick Corbin sitting, uh, you know, just staring from the bench. Um, they actually had a decent last um, start. It's actually looked like kind of okay this year, I would say, although Washington sucks. But um, at least from the starters, the starters are ridiculous. They're really, really good. And then when you look at the bullpen too, Bard has been okay, I would say, so far. And Batista has been probably one of the better closers. Um, I would say probably above average. So like, I, I like it's just amazing to me that this team's five and five. I think like they're gonna end up blowing some people out in the next few weeks, particularly now that Verlander's back, assuming he doesn't yeah, you know, perform like he did in his first start back, but I would just assume Verlander's gonna get back into like Cy Young form and just start crushing. Yeah, and that's with I mean, losing two I mean, really big league like quality starters, especially in a thirty teamer and Kentamaya Dan Trevor Rogers. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be really deep on the starters and probably be able to shift some people in and out based on like the two start weeks. Um, and like they're going to put up a ton of points. They already have, but it's going to probably be even more of a landslide. Um, they've also got some really, I believe, some top like high end prospects as well um, that are not necessarily going to come up this year, but just like this team's going to be really good for a while, and they're set up for that, too. If you look at Strider, just a $1 R2 is obviously going to get a four-year extension. Hunter Brown's an R1 for a $1 as well. Um, this is going to be really interesting to watch them over the next couple years, even. Um, even if things kind of just, like, 
end up in a train wreck this year from injury stuff, but this team is stacked right now, especially even for this year. Yeah, that Strider deal is basically what you dream about for a pitcher to come up immediately be good in their R1 year, followed up with a perfect R2 opening at least uh, so far through the through Strider's first 40 innings. Um, so that that it, he is maybe like, as far as pitchers go, the single best contract in the league. Um, yeah, what's it, Sandy's? Uh, it's not that good. I have Sandy at like uh, he's on two of four um, franchise tag, and he's still like eighteen dollars, which I'd I one. I would trade that immediately for uh, Striders R two. So oh, absolutely. Is McClanahan. Uh, McClanahan is he's already in his one of four phase, I think. So yeah, um, four dollars one of four. Yeah. So, it's essentially the same contract, just one year ahead. Yeah, so it's like you get as good as McClanahan. I would say Strider is at least as good as McClanahan, and then you get an extra year of control. So I do think Strider is, if not the top pitching contract, then up there. Um, yeah, he gets Aaron Judge back this week. He just got Matt Mervis. He has Christopher Morrell, who can play everywhere except catcher and first base. Um, the, uh, on the bench, that is. And then Vaughn Grissom, uh, you know, ready for reinforcements. Joey Weimer and Kyle Stowers are in the minors. I mean, this team has it all, including Ellie De La Cruz, who yeah, I was gonna say probably the inevitable gonna, Ellie call up. Ellie's probably going to be up this year, so and <laughs> maybe is going to replace a. Uh, Jamer Candelario at uh, at the hot corner. But yeah, um, I really have no complaints about this team. I really think they just have to kind of keep doing what they're doing. Christopher Morrell was a good buy just as like a depth piece because you don't really need to prioritize any of these spots right now. Everywhere is covered. Your guys just kind of need to score points when it matters. Yeah, Morel was a great buy just as a depth piece, I think. And got I think probably got very lucky just that he's been called up right away. Um, but just having that positional like flexibility, if anyone gets hurt, you can just have Morel fill in, assuming he's still in the majors. Um, it's just really nice having that kind of flex piece on your on your bench that can just play nearly every position. If I'm not mistaken, I think they were the number two in the Dave Plus rankings too, anyways, in the projections. Yeah, they. It was either them or the Tigers was number one, and the other was number two. So, and the Tigers are nine and one. So the Tigers have been living up to it, and the Marlins, I would say, have as well. They just haven't been scoring. So, all right, uh, let's go on and hop on over to uh, to Queens and look at the New York Mets. Uh, from a power rankings perspective, the New York Mets currently rank as number ten. Um, no movement from week four. Uh, they scored 204 points this week, um, which is about average, and they've been average or above every single week so far. So you're looking at a team that's been consistently performing some very strong weeks, including a 300-point week two. Um, but for the most part, they've just been uh, steady eddy. In the playoffs, they are currently wild card number two. And let's just take a look. 
um, to see if this team uh, could use any improvements, if they could uh, perhaps even compete to just take the NL East. Because right now the NL East is being led by the 8-2 and Washington Nationals, and the New York Mets are 7-3, and with the Miami Marlins, of course, lurking in the background um, with the most points, uh, or at least more points than the Mets in the division. Uh, so the Mets are one game behind the Nationals, and taking a look at their team, uh, it's a lot of guys who I think have been underperforming so far, but have kind of picked up the pace lately. Um, in the lineup, you're seeing Anthony Rendon, um, who has finally hit his first home run. Wilson Contreras, uh, you know, all the outfield news aside, uh, maybe, he gets <laughs> maybe he gets eligibility there. <laughs> Uh, but I don't think he's going to play in the outfield. But yeah, I've got a question. Uh, when does Wilson Contreras lose catcher eligibility for never being catcher for the Cardinals again, apparently? Uh, well, he's already played enough that he would qualify there next year. So if he played absolutely no catcher in 2024, then he would lose it for 2025. I'm actually more worried about Buxton. Has he played an outfield inning yet? <sighs> yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, no the whole year yeah which uh maybe that's just how it's gonna be all right I, so uh, taking uh taking a look at this squad um the hitting like you know like we were just going over is pretty solid across the board um the pitching uh it's got some nice pieces for sure i i wouldn't really say there's a hole here, but there's guys who could explode at any moment uh, and ruin your week. Um, I'm talking about guys like Jose Barrios, um, Edward Cabrera, Freddy Peralta even has a little volatility to him. Yu Darvish has always had some volatility. Uh, so it's a starting rotation that I, I would never... I don't know if... You, okay, here's a question. Do you guys watch your starting pitchers? Every time. Uh, Every once in a while, but a lot of the times they just give me anxiety. Yeah, I, I get massive anxiety, uh, especially if it's like the end of the week, um, for me to watch my pitchers because I, like, I'll like i start yelling at the ump. <laughs> I'll start... Every time. Every time I yell at the ump. I yelled at I him so many times when Perez was pitching on Sunday for me, and he just never got a low strike call. And, uh, yeah, I was yelling at my TV a lot on Sunday when that was happening. I tend to watch the opposing pitchers against me more than my own. <laughs> I feel like that's even worse because then you're yelling at the ump for the opposite reason. It just feels like watching your pitchers is always such a trap. Anyway, these pitchers <laughs> are incredibly volatile. I mean, you could go into a Jose Barrios start, and he could either give up 10 runs and in two innings or pitch eight shutout, and I wouldn't be surprised either way. And that stresses me out to no end. Edward Cabrera is going to walk a guy per inning, uh, and maybe he strikes out enough to cover it. Um, he's been okay so far. Uh, and then Freddie Peralta and Yu Darvish, each of them are... Eh, they they have their moments where things kind of fall apart for them, but that hasn't happened this year yet, and that probably explains why the Mets are 7-3 and three so far. Uh, do you guys think there's a buy here? Do you guys uh, they have Brandon Fott in the minors who just got called up and got rocked? Um, 
But his stuff was good. I mentioned they have Jordan Walker. Yeah, they have Jordan Jordan Walker on the bench too. That's likely going to get called up soon. I don't know. My 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 hot take is that so you were talking about Libertor is going to get service timed. I think Jordan Walker. If this team is just a dumpster fire, Jordan Walker has never played a Triple A before this. He might. He might get service timed where he just spends the entire year in the minors because they have no reason to call him up um, to fix a team that, if it is still a dumpster fire, like, why would they waste Jordan Walker's first year of service time just to get to, like, 75 and whatever wins? Yeah, but if they're going to try and fix it at all, aren't they going to deal from their outfield depth? And then once one of them goes, won't he be back up? I mean, maybe. Yeah. Just my hot take is that they won't do that, and they'll ride with O'Neill and Carlson and, and whoever up until the trade deadline. Maybe after the trade deadline. Here's the thing, though. Jordan Walker is, I mean, to put it lightly, he's sucking at a, at AAA so far. I, I never like to say, like, oh, you ruined a guy's confidence by promoting him early and then demoting him almost immediately. I don't, I don't really buy that just because of, I don't think most guys in the majors are head cases where they, like, get bummed out by a demotion. I think they understand um, the business aspect of it. That said, Jordan Walker is currently hitting uh, 182 at AAA. He has one home run and 39 plate appearances. He has a 580 OPS. Um I think you have to be... remember that he, he can't even drink yet. So, I mean, he I wouldn't say he has the strongest head on his shoulders, no matter who he is at age 20. Maybe. That's fair. The, the one thing that I would kind of caution with that, though, too, is, like, they send him down kind of to work on some very specific things. So I think it's kind of, like, dangerous since there's a small sample size right at the start where he's probably trying a lot of different things out to, like, look at it and be like, he's not hitting. Because, like, sure, like, there can be a lot of things where he's, like, testing the waters with stuff that like maybe just isn't going to work and then they try something new so i don't know i don't worry too much about stats um on this on a situation like that necessarily on if they're going to bring them up or not it's a lot of just like how's he doing in the last like week that really matters going forward on if he like solves things um i do kind of agree i do kind of agree that if he's like he is somebody who could get service time to this year. I just think it's very likely that, you know, if the Cardinals are tanking this year, I think both him and Libby both stay down. I just don't think they bring either of them up because they just have math to eat all the innings in the world. Um, and they probably just have Libby pitch like, you know, every seventh day or whatever. Like they just stretch him like out a lot in the minors this year. I just don't think they're going to burn his service time, but I think there's a good chance that they try to compete. Like you said, they've won two games in a row. Now the division is, probably still a worst or second worst division overall, especially as every team is losing right now. Um, I think there's a good chance they end up dealing probably two outfielders this year. Um, I don't know which two, but my guess is two of them are out the door and Walker ends up um, kind of starting and DHing um, probably by mid season, um, like around the all-star break. If not even, I know that I think they have to bring him up. I want to say I just saw it. I think it was in the next week or two weeks in order to qualify for that extra draft pick. Um, if he wins rookie of the year, which I mean, Outman is just w- running away with rookie of the year right now. Um, so I don't know if that's going to happen. Like Walker would have to come up and just absolutely mash the rest of the year. Um, 
So I think there's a chance he gets called up in the next couple of weeks to make it for that. I think it's 100 and I can't remember how many days. It's 170 days or something like that. You have to be in the major league level to qualify for that extra pick. Um, there's a chance they bring him up for that. I don't think they will. I think it'll probably take like two outfielders getting dealt sometime before the trade deadline, and then he's up for the rest of the season. Maybe. So just going back to the Mets, you know, just to kind of summarize, maybe Jordan Walker gets called up soon. Even if he doesn't, uh, you're, you've still got a pretty good lineup. Um, your worst hitter right now is either they Mike Moustakis or J.J. Bladé. Um, Moose's uh, situation is still pretty favorable, even if he's not putting up a ton of points. Um, and Bladé has opened up pretty strong since he's been promoted. Um, and he was crushing AAA before the promotion, so uh, maybe that has kind of, like, fixed itself. He pushed um, Trevor Larnock to the bench. Um, Larnock even got a demotion uh, last Friday, so kind of convenient timing for Bladé to come up immediately as Larnock was demoted for the Mets. Uh, I'm not really seeing any issues here. Sure, if guys get hurt. Um, things get a little sketchy. Um, my biggest issue is the pitching is very volatile, um, which is is really funny to say for a team that has been as consistent this year so far as the Mets for the pitching to be this kind of volatile on paper. It looks like, I mean... If I'm, I've just been kind of scrolling through. I think that when Barrios blows up or Cabrera blows up, the other one is done fine. So they're kind of canceling each other out, which I wouldn't say is a positive, but it makes it so that you're not eating a whole bunch of negatives every week. And then just getting the the bulk so far of Gilbert and Peralta, I think, is what's keeping them afloat on the pitching end. And then their their hitting is strong enough to carry them through a week. All right, so I think we can pretty safely say that the Mets uh, are likely a favorite to at least get a wild card. Do you think they could sneak away with this division? Um, we've looked at the Nationals in the past. They're, you know, even the power rankings will say the Nationals are the number four team um, and the Marlins are the number five team. Do you think the Mets could do something to sneak away with this? Like, are they pretty far away? Or do you think with some strong performance from the guys they already have uh, that they could run away with, or sneak away, let's say, with this division title? I think some strong performances could get it. I, I mean, if you look just at the Nationals, their hitting is pretty obviously better. But their pitching is a different story. So, I mean, if... I think any hitters any week in the big leagues can put up uh, enough points to compete with the others. It really comes down to what your top-end pitching is in this league because you can get 30, 40 points from a good start. And uh, I would say the only top-end starter and top-ends kind of pushing it this season is Eduardo Rodriguez. I mean, he's doing well, but I mean, I don't think any of us would say that he's a top-20 pitcher in the big leagues. Well, if you go back to the Marlins, uh, Freddie Peralta, you Darvish, Logan Gilbert, they all have that potential to be up there. I wouldn't say that they are necessarily, but those guys can combine, give you 90 points in a week, and the Nationals just don't have that top end 
uh, pitching talent. So unless the Nationals make a move for a pitcher, I think there is a world where the Mets can sneak ahead of them. It just depends on um, what percent outcome they get from their hitters. Yeah, I think that's going to be close all the way down the stretch. Um, I think the Nationals have a couple pitchers that are going to be coming off of the IL um, in a, a couple months, even Quintana, I think is like July. Um, Blackburn, I think, is a few weeks out, wrapping in AAA. <clears throat> so Quintana probably Blackburn. I have no idea, to be honest, um, what that's going to look like and where he'll slot in. They also just picked up JP France, who had a good start um, off of waivers. Um, also, not sure how long he's going to be up versus getting an uh, option down to down to AAA again. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think this is going to be tight. I think both these teams kind of are um, in a very similar situation. I think they both have um, strong lineups. Um, I do think that the Nationals have better depth overall. Um, their bench bats, I think, are pretty good. They've got Burleson. They've got O'Neill on the IR right now. Um, and I would just prefer probably both those over, I think, any of the bench off of the Mets. I'm trying to remember who, but I think we said they were relatively shallow. Yeah, the, um, Mets, I think the, I, the Mets are running. Uh, Andrew Kisner is their backup catcher. Um, they have him paired with Contreras, who I guess Andrew Kisner is a full-time player now. Um, yeah. Which but he's is, not worth much. Yeah, worth about, I, like one point a game. He's batting ninth, and he's getting pinch hit for every time after the seventh inning. Right, so. right. They also have uh, David Fletcher, who's in the minors, and Trevor Larnock, who's in the minors, and then Aledmus Diaz, who is hurt. So Jordan Walker in the minors. They have David Hensley. They haven't promoted David Hensley, but they do have David Hensley, um, who has not been good this year. But they haven't. Yeah, so just to say, like, I think the Nationals have much more depth. They're much more insulated against, like, an injury. Like, it's not going to wreck their season. Um, so I would say the edge definitely goes to the Nationals. I think they do have just a slightly better lineup. Um, the pitching is questionable from the Nationals, but um, could be getting better. It just depends on, you know, when these guys come back from the IR. And I know they just picked up France and, you know, seeing what happens with him. Um, they have some potential, um, I would say, with the rotation. Um, so I would just give them a slight edge, but I think this is gonna be really close all the way to the end. I don't think I don't think either team's gonna run away with it unless you get some really like you know, similar to like how the Miami Marlins have gotten really screwed with their weeks on you know, teams just putting up a ton of points on them. Same thing could happen here and somebody can end up like six games back in no time, but I I think it's gonna be pretty close, particularly on like the the points I think will be very close between the two. All right, so let's go ahead and move to our final team, the San Diego Padres. Uh, the Padres are just above the St. Louis Cardinals in the power rankings at 19 to the Cardinals' 20th. Um, both the Padres and the Cardinals have the same luck factor uh, tied for the top um, luck factor across the league at 7. So uh, the Padres, it's safe to say, have gotten a little lucky with um, when they've been playing guys uh, versus how many points they've been scoring. Uh, they did have a strong week one. Uh, they had a, a decently strong week three, um, but they also have two sub-180 performances. For week five, they scored 216, and that's kind of uh, their first real average week so far. 
Um, taking a look at the San Diego Padres roster, uh, we I was going to say, before we really get into it, the sure. Padres have, I believe it's, uh, let's see, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 people that are on the uh, actual IL right now, and there's only five IR slots, so this might be one of either the, like, the unluckiest like teams that I could see. Um, and a couple of these guys, I think, are somewhat long-term on the uh, IR. Like I'm looking at like O'Neill Cruz that's on their bench. Um, O'Neill Cruz, Duvall, and they just announced that Rodon's back issue is chronic, so who knows the next time he'll pitch. Yeah, so there's a lot of guys. I, I just saw a thing today that Rodon might not pitch this year. Um, I don't know if that's in the blurb here, but I just saw that earlier on either Reddit or Twitter or somewhere. They mentioned that Rodon might not pitch this year. So, like... This is like a train wreck of a season just because of the injuries before we even look at like who they have in their, in their lineup. It's just like just absolutely getting wrecked by injuries right now. So here's the thing. So they okay, as as you pointed out, there's so many guys on the IL that they have maxed out their slots and they are just about out of bench spots to even like run a full lineup. Uh, at this point, um, so first of all, they're fortunate because they're still in the hunt. Even despite all of these injuries, they uh, they're still they still have a good record, um, and you can kind of you know without getting too deep into when guys are coming back, when timetables are going to line up, um, you can kind of envision a scenario where they get all of their pieces back, and then uh, you know it's a it's all gold from there. Um, but until then, their depth is basically zero um, because everyone is hurt. Uh, or in the minors like Alex Avesia, it might be time for the Padres to consider just dropping. So they have Manny Pena and Max Stassi on the IR. Um, I think Max Stassi is, yeah, so Max Stassi is without a timetable. Um, Manny Pena had a setback. Neither of those guys are noticeably better than Connor Wong at this point who Connor Wong, I guess, is, like, the starting Boston catcher. He's been awesome. Um, so I think, like, you could drop Pena and Stassi and move Cruz and Duvall to the IR. You could probably drop Robert Suarez and get one of your uh, one of your relievers on the IR. You know, Rodon is not going to be dropped. But, like, you could drop some of the guys that you've kind of just left on the IR and then pick up some waiver wire options or trade some prospects just to fill out your bench or um, fill out your starting lineup. They're currently running Kyle Farmer at shortstop because their first option, O'Neill Cruz, got hurt, and then Kyle Farmer is also hurt, so they do not have a healthy shortstop at all. Um, so, yeah, they definitely should, if they want to compete, which, like, this is a season from hell, injury-wise, but they do have a good record. If they want to compete, uh, they pretty much need to acquire a shortstop immediately. Well, yeah, the, um, the one thing I would add to that is that they're in an interesting spot where a lot of their contracts are very good um, to where they can re-sign guys or they have a lot of like R2s or R1s. But also, they're like set up very well to compete, I would say. Um, in that they have somebody like Carlos Rodon, where I think he has a, some decent trade value to people that aren't competing this year. He might not pitch this year, but 
I don't think it's like a long-term thing where he's going to be out, um, you know, for like future years. It's not like the Tommy John surgery. Um, so maybe Rodon pitches here, maybe not. But if not, I think he's on a very favorable contract. He's only seven dollars on two of four, so you could certainly deal him and get somebody that can compete this year. Um, O'Neill Cruz is obviously like a kind of a future star. So like maybe you don't want to deal him, but he's not going to play this year or maybe not until very late this year, I think. Um, so I think that there's some potential for like good opportunities to, to trade some guys, um, you know, to teams that are going to be tanking this year to get people to fill in. Um, Cause you've got a lot of like, guys who should be performing very well. You have DeGrom, who's also hurt uh, right now, but I believe should be back. And you also have Scherzer, Logan Webb. You've got a lot of guys, um, you know, if they can get healthy, this team is going to be stacked as well. But I think you also have a lot of guys who you can potentially trade this year who are either on, um, you know, going to be hurt this year and are still on good contracts and be worth something. Um, or just you know, kind of consolidating some assets because they just have essentially like 11 or 12 bench spots right now just because they have their IR maxed. Right. Krav, do you have any thoughts about this team? Um, I mean, it's hard not to kind of fall in love with you. If it was your own team and you had to think about it, uh, to sit there and think, well, I can drop Stassi, Pina, and uh, Suarez and move a couple of people to the IL and maybe make a couple moves on the fringes just to get some depth. And then you can look and be like, if Carlos Rodon comes back and if O'Neill Cruz and Adam Duvall come back, that those three can uh, win you weeks. And that's not, that's not even talking about the performances you're getting from like Cattell Marte, Austin Riley, Taylor Ward. And then you look down at his pitching and yeah, yes, DeGrom is hurt, but uh, when he pitches, he's the best pitcher in baseball. I mean, it, it's not even close. And you've had bad Max Scherzer so far, and you know he's not going to pitch like that for the rest of the year unless age finally caught up to him. So, I mean, if he can just make a couple moves on the fringes and just keep himself afloat to get into the playoffs, and if by the time the playoff rolls around and everybody's healthy again, this is a very dangerous team. To be fair, Scherzer hasn't even really been that bad this year. He had just, like, some weird stuff happen, I guess, with the suspension. He was, like, dealing in that game and then just got removed for, like, I don't even, like, just the most ridiculous stuff, just with, like, the rosin and alcohol or whatever. Um, And he was dealing in that game. He was coming off a start where he pitched really well. He just pitched against uh, San Diego, who I think they see the most pitches out of any team in the league. Um, they just get really deep into their at-bats. And, of course, they have, like, Soto, who walks, like, 800 times a year. Um, and he still had a good start there. He just didn't go very deep into the game. They ran him in five innings. Um, and then, of course, the first start off of the uh, the first start off of the IR, of course, he's, like, you know, back where he started in Detroit and gets beat up. But I think Scherz is going to be solid. I don't think this is, like, an age issue. I think he's pitched really well for the most part this year. Um, he did have kind of the one bad start in Milwaukee, but other than that, I think he's looked really good in his other um, three starts. It's just the weird fluky thing with the suspension that kind of caused that start to be dead, and then the start afterwards just to be awkward. One thing I do want to point out is um, 
So they ran Jacob DeGrom in their lineup this week, and they're running Jimmy Lambert, and you kind of think, well, surely those aren't the best options. This team has six total starting pitchers, like guys that even qualify, and uh, two of them are on the IR, and DeGrom is in the starting lineup on the IR. Um, (laughs) So they're only healthy... Starting pitcher qualified guys right now are Scherzer, Webb, and Jimmy Lambert. So this team definitely, okay, like there's moves on the fringes, but like maybe, maybe you just need to acquire a starting pitcher. Um, you're you're in the playoff hunt. You've kind of, you know, you've got dealt major blows, but you could, you know, I'm sure there's guys like Vince Velasquez that can be moved. Um, you do have good prospects that are available, uh, like even um, Dominic Fletcher, who just got called up, is off to a pretty nice start. Maybe you don't want to deal him exactly, but like just just saying that you do have good prospects. Um, we've already brought up that you maybe you could uh, swing moving one of the one of the hurt guys like Cruz. Um, or uh, Adam Duvall to to buff up a different part of the roster. I would really be hesitant to move Cruz, but you know you will get interested parties ready to deal um, once they're uh, once they're out of the competition or playing for next year. So I think my recommendation is get a starting pitcher, uh, fix up the IR situation like. You know, drop the guy. You you've been hit so bad. It's time to drop the guys that, you know, you maybe were trying to hold on to like Pena and Stassi, just for depth. Um, and then grab some waiver wire guys just as depth pieces. There's there's been some good guys on the waiver wire recently coming up. We're kind of in that, uh, um, that golden hour where, guys have been playing really well at AAA and teams that have now gotten time to evaluate what they have at the majors, that there's been some call-ups, some interesting call-ups of guys that, you know, weren't really too much on the radar until they exploded at AAA this year. So I think there's um, good opportunity to get some nice pieces from the waiver wire, fix your IR situation, acquire a starting pitcher. That's what I would do if I were the Padres. seems like a good move. I mean, there are starting pitchers available. Teams are always selling, uh, especially when it comes to this time of the year. And then even when the trade deadline comes around, uh, more teams are going to start selling because, as we've said, the middle is the worst place to play, and I'm pretty sure everybody in this league is smart enough to know that if you're on the fringes and you look ahead of you and don't really think you can make it, then it's best to sell your pieces. So I'm sure... Those teams that are on the fringes have to have starters to be there in the first place, so they will have uh, pieces to sell. All right. And just to uh, close out, so we went over the NL wildcard teams. We covered the Rockies, the Cardinals, the Marlins, the Mets, and the Padres. Just kind of doing a little standings update to uh, finish out the podcast. The Chicago White Sox, my beloved team, uh, finally have our first loss on the year, and going 1-1 to have a 9-1 record was just enough for the Detroit Tigers to pass us. Um, 
I personally do not think I have much of a chance to compete with the Detroit Tigers this year. They are so, so good, um, and I would have to do so many things to kind of catch up with them. So uh, I'm hoping for a strong wildcard placement. The New York Yankees still hold first place in the AL East. They are over the Baltimore Orioles at 7-3, and three, and then the rest of the division is kind of just trying their best to hang on. The Boston Red Sox and Toronto Blue Jays are 3-7 and seven and 2-8, and eight, and they actually have pretty respectable point totals on their own right. In the AL West, the Los Angeles Angels are 8-2 and two and have a two-game lead over the Oakland Athletics. Our own Crab Seattle Mariners um, have started to throw in the towel, um, and his whole team is available, and I think he has starting pitchers for trade. So, Crab, yep. uh, maybe you uh, found a couple of trade partners uh, during this podcast that you're going to reach out to. Who knows? In the NL, these... Uh, Pittsburgh Pirates lead the NL Central by two games. They're eight and two over the six and four St. Louis Cardinals. Um, although the Milwaukee Brewers are four and six and have more points than the Cardinals, um, it does still look like this division will pretty easily go to the Pirates. In the NL East, the Washington, the Washington Nationals are eight and two. The Miami Marlins are five and five. They're two of the top teams, and the, in between them, like we were going over, is the New York Mets at seven and three. All three of these teams are pretty strong, uh, but don't count out the Atlanta Braves completely. They're 5-5 five and five with a respectable point total. They could maybe sneak in a wild card um, if things go just right. In the NL West, the Colorado Rockies are 8-2 and two over the very strong San Francisco Giants at 7-3. and three. Uh, I expect, without some more moves from the Rockies, that the Giants will pass them eventually. Uh, but for now, the Rockies enjoy their place atop the throne. The San Diego Padres are 6-4 and four and are just in that wild card range right now. Um, they're going to need to make some moves to keep up because they have just been hammered by the injury bug. Uh, and that really covers our teams that are uh, in the race right now. Any final thoughts, guys? We mentioned the Giants. Barry should be happy. Here's hoping. <laughs> All right, well, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with me for week five of the Franchise Legends podcast. And, uh, hey, how about we get uh, Jamie to lead us on out? Hit it, Jamie. <laughs>